Let's open the word of the Lord to John chapter 5. We start from verse 1. And today I want to talk, um, it's very relevant to all that the Lord has been sharing with us today, on the house of mercy and kindness. In John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in it first, after the water stirred, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time. So he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you teach us, grant us revelation knowledge concerning our walk with you. I pray that your heart would be shared with us today. Encourage us, O oh God, that we might be able to continue to be salt and light wherever you have planted us. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You may be seated. A couple of minutes in the presence of God. Last week was Mother's Day, and we celebrated that. And I had my wife come up and share together with you. So that was pretty cool to have her come and share with me. But because we had so much material, uh, there was one particular thing that I wanted to read to you briefly and I didn't get to. So I'm going to share it with you today. It's called The Evolution of Mothers. Being a parent changes everything, but being a parent also changes each baby. Here are some of the ways having a second and third child is different from having the first. For the first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your doctor confirms your pregnancy. For the second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. And for the third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothing. <laughs> and for preparing, for preparing for the birth, you practice your breathing religiously. Second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember that the first time breathing didn't do a thing. And for the third baby, you ask for an epidural on your eighth month. Now we go to the clothing. For the first baby, you pre-wash your newborn's clothing, you color coordinate them, you fold them neatly in the baby's little bureau. For the second baby, you check to make sure that the clothes are clean and discard only the ones with the darkest stains. And for the third baby, boys can wear pink, can't they? <laughs> and in terms of worries, worries. For the first baby, at the first sign of distress, a whimper, a frown, you pick up the baby. And for the second baby, you pick up the baby when her walls or her wails threaten to wake up the firstborn. Right? For the third baby, you teach your three-year-old how to rewind the mechanical swing. <laughs> uh, diapering. 
For the first baby, you change your baby's diapers every hour whenever they need it or not. For the second baby, you change the diaper every two to three hours if needed. For the third baby, you try to change their diaper before others start to complain about the smell or you see it sagging to the knees. For the first baby of activities, you take your infant to the baby gymnastics, baby swing, baby sto story hour. For the second baby, you take your infant to baby gymnastics. And for the third baby, you take your infant to the supermarket and then the dry cleaner. All right, that one's All right, going out, when you go out, when you go out. For the first baby, first time you leave your baby with a sitter, you call home five times. Second baby, just before they walk out the door, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached. And for the third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees blood. <laughs> Crystal, right? Yeah. And at home, at home. For the first baby, you spend a good bit of every day just gazing at your baby. For the second baby, you spend a bit of every day watching to be sure your older child isn't squeezing, poking, or hitting the baby. For the third baby, you spend a little bit of every day hiding from the children. <laughs> All right, that's it. it. You know, it's some of it is true, others just funny. Mothers, mothers, they're precious. Amen. I thought you'd like that. I read a couple of verses on a very significant portion of Scripture. And I did that in pur on purpose because I want you to know that when this sick man uh, was there present with all the other sick folk, this was not a one-time event. This was something that was continual. It was there all the time. And this man obviously had been there a long time, 38 years. But what about the others? And everyone was looking for an opportunity for the water to be moved. There was a legend that whenever that water was moved from time to time, the first person that would throw themselves in would get healed. That's a really difficult, severely limited opportunity, isn't it? It's almost like winning the lotto, isn't it? Out of, I don't know, millions that would play the lotto, only one person gets the prize? I don't find that to be fair. Anybody here? Honestly, I don't find that to be fair. I would prefer that I get less, but that everybody gets something, right? I don't want to get everything and anybody else get nothing. No, I, I would prefer that we all have an opportunity. But in the midst of that, here Jesus takes his time or takes out of his very busy time and goes right to that place and goes right to this man, discerns his needs and asks him some key questions. But what most people don't realize, the name Bethesda means house of kindness or house of mercy. Church today is supposed to be the house of kindness and the house of mercy. It should also be a house of restoration. It also should be the place of meeting. Now, when Jesus first comes to this man, he says to him, do you want to be made whole? But why would Jesus mention that to him? Because he can? Because he had in his, his bosom healing. He had the power to change this man's life. But the interesting thing about it is this man had no idea who was right next to him. He had no idea who Jesus was. 
He had no idea that healing was available to him outside of his normal knowledge of the way things work. In his worldview, the only way to get healed is to watch that thing until that thing moved. When the water moved, he had to jump in. Problem was, he was a paralytic. He was limited in terms of his ability, so he needed help. But nobody was there to help him. We know that because he told that to Jesus. He says, listen, every time the water moves, I try, but somebody jumps in. I have no man to help me. Say that to, to, to your neighbor. Many people have no man to help them. But I see two scenarios there. I see that there are people that need to come into an understanding of something that God has already provided for them. And then the other point is, I see that Jesus was there available. So point number one, there are people that have needs that need the healer. Point number two, the healer's there. Let me add a third point. When Jesus was ready to go back to the Father, he said, the same way the Father sent me, I now send you. So even though he's right now seated at the right hand of the Father, he already empowered us. We know that because in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God came upon man. And that very day, 3,000 people came to Jesus. That very day, people were healed, set free. And from that moment on, healing was released throughout the world. The gospel was released. And within five years, the city had been reached. Within 21 years, all of Asia Minor had been reached. So we know the power is present. Say to your neighbor, the power is here. So when I see that, I see that even though Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of the Father, He has us here. So wherever we go, the presence, the power, the healing anointing of Jesus is present too. Now, the fact that Jesus came and healed them does not mean that all the sick people left and went home and everything was, is over. No. They're still sick people. They're still blind people. They're still people that are paralyzed. Both physically and mentally and emotionally. And I find that there are more people emotionally paralyzed than they are physically paralyzed. But they're both present, and they both need healing. And it's amazing that in your job, in your workplace, at home, in your communities, there are people that are lame. And lame is when your bones are disconnected. And there are some people that are lame in terms of their relationship with God. They're disconnected from Almighty God. They're disconnected from their purpose. But guess what? You're there. I got two amens. And I got five. <laughs> well, as a man thinks, so is he. And the problem is most people don't know the real gospel of Christ. There's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of bitterness out there. And there's a lot also of attack in terms of what the true gospel of Jesus Christ is. Much of it has been relegated to a religion that wants to bind people. Which is not, it couldn't be the first further saying the truth. But again, you know, we understand it's a fallen world, fallen nature. I'm not upset at anybody who criticizes Christianity. You know why? They don't understand. They haven't seen the light yet. When a man sees, a woman sees what the gospel, the real gospel is, it's when they go, oh my God, I didn't know. So I understand that. You, gotta, you can't expect the world to act like the church. They don't know Christ yet. When the eyes are open, then they'll see, oh my God, my precious master. We've seen it with the best of them. We've seen it with the worst of them. In the Old, uh, the Old Testament, you saw when people came to, to, to understanding 
Then they realized, and they changed their life around. In the New Testament, you see Paul, who was persecuting the church. He was literally imprisoning people. Some people even died in the process. And in the midst of that, Jesus reveals himself to me. Go, oh, I didn't know. So I'm not, I'm not upset at them. My heart breaks for them. And above all, God's heart is breaking for the United States. God's heart is breaking for the world right now. But the world is not left without an antidote, so to speak. It's called the church of the living God. Say to your neighbor, you're part of that. You're anointed to heal. Come on, say that to your neighbor. You're anointed to deliver. Hallelujah. This man said, I have no friend to help me. Which means it implies that he did want to get healed. Now you'll talk to people, say, I don't need that stuff. I don't need Couldn't be further from the truth. At home you see him crying or you don't see him. They hide, they cry, they take drugs or whatever it is, alcohol, to sort of blunt the pain. But in reality, they all need healing. The Bible says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All need a Savior. Amen. And it doesn't make a difference. I mean, they could be rolling in the dough, have the most expensive suits, uh, greatest jobs. They still need a Savior. And they don't know how to get to Him. They need help. Say to your neighbor, they need help. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And this is the word that has to be in our lips this summer. Because there are so many people right now waiting. Um, I, I think Tony, uh, I forgot the name of the person, but he mentioned that guy. That Danny, Danny, right. See, amen. You know how many Dannys there are? You know how many Danielas there are? And, and you know them. They live in your community. Amen. So what's our job? Our job is to reflect Jesus today. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 to 13, it says, To the intent now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. The wisdom of God today needs to, needs to be made known by the church. Who is the church? We are the church. There are four things. Number one, there's mass spiritual and physical sickness around us today. But for a great, to a great extent, our eyes are closed. We're refusing to allow our eyes to be opened by Almighty God to see the needs right around us. So my first prayer for you today is that God would sovereignly open up all of our eyes, our spiritual eyes. I pray that the Holy Spirit so empower you to see the needs around you that it will change your life forever. And that it will activate your witness like never before. The second thing is that there are many sick, lame, blind, and paralyzed people around us. And all they need is to have their mindset corrected and adjusted. They know a gospel, but it's not the gospel. Because that word gospel means good news. And they only see it in a negative light. So you need to change their mind. A good thing that Brother Nate said was that he had half of the verse. But I appreciate him because he's learning. And he's learning more and more and more. And that's the way you learn, by just sharing. And, and, and memorizing another verse and sharing that. Memorizing another verse and sharing that. You know what I find? Uh, I think it was yesterday with the guys we were talking, or maybe a couple of days ago, we were talking, and 
there's some guys in, in Times Square. They dress up militarily, and they look like priests. The tribes of Israel, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But, you know, they go up there with boldness. But what I hear many times is just hate or distortion of the scripture. And they look for that. They, they want to, I guess, get into it with um, Christians. And when a Christian will talk, listen, you, you, you got that wrong. Is this it? No, no, because according to history, bah, 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 and they got their stuff together to a certain extent. It's not real deep. I listen, I go, nah, not deep. Nah, nah, not deep. But they seem to know their A, B, and C, which means that they practice evangelizing their stuff. But it's not a gospel because it's not good news. It's bad news. First and foremost, I'm a Hispanic. I'm Puerto Rican. But as soon as I show up, they look at me real angry and call me a white man. So I go, huh? Yeah, but see, it's a shallow thing to just judge by the color. And we know that argument. We know it. We're trying to heal from that still. And yet still it's being perpetrated. And, and what makes it worse is they're using the Bible now to try to empower this hate and this separationism. And it's a, it's a sad thing. From, from any angle it's sad. And I openly share it because I was raised in Harlem. I was raised in Harlem. And I remember, amen. Yeah. She was raised in Harlem too. No, but see, as a child, as a child, sometimes the only way that I got out of trouble is by talking in Spanish. I remember Stanley, he, he was a black man, my friend. We were good friends. We hang out one time. This gang came up to him, bam. There's a Spanish group. Hit, hit him with, right in the head with, with, a, with a bat. And then they were going to hit me too. And one guy looked at me. Tu eres hispano. You Hispanic? I said, si, brother, just hispano. He went, all right. He walked away. I mean, this, this is what I lived. I remember being handcuffed and, and almost thrown off a roof. I mean, I can tell you stories. How, how, how racism in any way, shape, or form is a real terrible thing. So when I hear that, I go, you know, what we need, what Christians need, is really we need to educate ourselves. We need to stop the excuse of, well, I don't have time, I don't have time. And we need to start learning the Word of God for ourselves. Because then we could be effective witnesses for Almighty God. And you know, you don't have to have 5,000 verses. A good 4 to 10 verses can really cover you in most scenarios. For you to be salt and light. For you to be a good witness. Amen. And then something we, we did the other day is we taught on other religions. So to give an idea to the guys, here is the way this religion views it. And, and, and it's a good way to know. So what I want you to address in your own life, are you the type of person that depends on pastor to share the word for you and to you without you having to study? It's a mistake. You are salt and light. You have to be representing the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So you need to know the Roman road. You know what the Roman road is? There's four key verses in the book of Romans that can allow you to effectively evangelize and share the love of God. You don't have to get into arguments. Actually, I don't recommend you get into arguments with anybody. If they're in the wrong spirit and all they want to do is argue, listen, God loves you and that's it, you know, much respect. And just keep on walking. When a person is really wanting to hear, you'll know it. Like Brother Tony, he said, can we pray for you? What did the guy do? He opened himself up. He, so these are key things that I want you to, to think about. Don't argue the word. You never have to argue the word. 
Jesus doesn't need you to argue for him. All you need to do is share the love of God. Hallelujah. But it's going to happen this summer. I guarantee you, somebody's going to challenge you with a half verse or the three-quarter verse, and you're going to need that verse, and you're going to need another verse. Hallelujah. Amen. The way the power of God gets shown today is through the church. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Amen? Wasn't God awesome? Wasn't Jesus awesome? He healed everybody? Amen? But what about the scripture that says Christ is now in you? Colossians 1.27 Amen's right now. The power of Christ is in you. And the only way it'll manifest is when you start activating it by faith. Let me add another word. By faith in love. And that's the key. When you come to a person, and you have to, I have to do this because Tony's watching. (laughs) Jesus loves you. Here's a a Bible verse. You want to pray? Oh, I'm not going to pray. That guy prays, okay? That's not love. You have to see that person the way God sees them. Which, by the way, that's the way God saw you when you needed salvation. When he saw you as lame, disconnected. When he saw you as blind. When he saw you as sick. There was sin inside of you. It was separating you from your destiny. You didn't go to him. He went to you. He made it very clear. He told the 12, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. So whenever you feel in the touch of God, that's the Holy Spirit all over you. Whenever a Tony shows up or an Antonetta shows up, in other words, a male, anybody shows up, that's God extending his love to that person. And when God sends you, that's God extending his love through you, trusting you to be his agent at that moment. And when that person came to you and prayed for you and shared the gospel with you, that was God reaching out to you through that person. To this day, I still remember the people that impacted me by reaching out to me, by loving me enough to take time out and to love me through that and to love me into the kingdom of God. Because you didn't know. This guy didn't know. He said, I have no man to help me. Wrong. That's a mistake. You're here. I'm here. Amen. Do you know what this room full of people can do in this city? When we start doing things by faith in love? You know how that, that this city can be turned, I don't say upside down. The city's already upside down. It needs to be turned right side up. Amen. We go out there by faith in love and we start praying and we start sharing the love of God suddenly the power of God which is already resident in us will activate and you're going to see things that are going to blow you away hallelujah and they'll come to saving Christ they might come to this church but I don't care whether they come here or the other church or the other church as long as they go to a Bible believing church a place where God is moving I don't care just as long as they get saved but only eternity will tell all the people that you've impacted I tell you, sometimes people come up to me and say, Pastor, you said something to me 10 years ago. And to still to this day, I still remember it. And it impacted me. I go, yeah, wow. What was it that I said? <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. It was God speaking through me at that very moment. It was God's love flowing through me because I became available. 
this is not, an, this is not exciting. You know why? It, it, it puts responsibility on your shoulders. It's not exciting. I'm not comfortable with evangelism. If you want me to, I'll pray. But sharing the gospel with somebody else, that's hard. Well, that's what God wants us to do this year, this summer. He's in the mood to touch his sons and daughters who are alienated from him. Hallelujah. So, we need to take advantage of this moment in history. And by the way, let me just share this with you. Things are going to get rougher. Right now, there is a perfect storm that's brewing. We're coming up on an election year. Many people are angry. The nation's divided. The Republicans and the Democrats at each other. All, all that's left is put a ring. That's it. Right in the center of that big room where they meet. So they can battle it out. Because that's how bad things are. Sooner or later, the money printing is going to have to either stop or start again. If it stops, that means a lot of people's needs aren't going to be met. If it starts all over again, the dollar will be devalued. So any which way, we're going to experience some pain. So you've got to be ready. First and foremost, you need to seek God today as to how to be able to navigate in this uncertain time and season. Because the world is doing everything they can to try to say peace, peace, peace. But there's even a scripture that says when everybody cries peace, that's when all sudden destruction comes. Now, Greece is around the corner. No, it's on the other side of the world. Uh, excuse me. Monetarily, our economics are connected. If anything happens in East, if, if, if Greece, if Greece defaults, that's going to create a chain of events that's going to hurt us econo economically here in the United States. Ah, oh, Pastor, I don't care about all that stuff. Well, you better. Because when gas suddenly goes up to $9 or $10 and buy a loaf of bread costs 6 7 $8, more and more people are going to have need, the church is going to become very prominent suddenly. I'm believing God to give us connections to, with companies and organizations. I'm believing God to give you wisdom to prosper in those times and to have the divine connections to be able to bring resources to community. But if we get caught up in a spirit of fear, we won't be working out of purpose. We'll be reacting out of fear and we'll close down. And this is not the time to close down, people. I, I believe I'm prophesying to you right now. This is not the time to close down. This is, this is the time to see what God is saying, to hear what God is saying, to move by the Spirit of God, to move by faith and love. Because whoever decides to move by faith and love in this season will have divine provision, divine opportunities. Hallelujah. And God will work sovereignly on your behalf. While others are going down, you'll be going up. You know why? Because God is calling us to be resource givers. Amen. And we are stewards. Stewards are able to take resources and multiply them for the master. And I, I'm, be, I'm believing God for businesses. I'm believing God that even the church will be able to, to come together and partner with the city and, and with these different organizations and, and take some of the resources and, and centralize them in our borough, in our city, for the needs of the people that are coming into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And also see the other thing. The other thing is, is that God's been training you and me uniquely. There, there's wisdom inside of you and in the coming days God is going to take that wisdom out of you forcefully because people are going to demand it from you 
and you're going to help them to pay their bills, and you're going to help them to be able to get out of mess. I, I see us helping people in their marriages. I, say, I see us going through trouble and experiences now because later on we're going to turn that around and help others. Hallelujah. There are people in pain today. There are people that say, I have nobody to help me. Yes, you do. We're here. That other church is there. That other church is there. God is getting his people prepared. He is strengthening us. He's once again, it's almost like breathing upon us. We're sensing a new sense of life, a new sense of urgency, a new sense of excitement, a new sense of purpose. Hallelujah. It's almost as if we're saying, I don't know, but I'm expecting something big that's just about ready to happen. I believe that we're going to be part of, of, of a kingdom army that's going to devastate the kingdom of hell that's going to bring life where there was death that's going to bring healing where there was sickness that's going to bring wisdom where there was darkness where, where there was no knowledge the knowledge of god is going to once again be manifest through the church in this day and another thing that i sensed this morning as i was listening i was hearing and, and i kept on coming back i believe that the fear and the honor of almighty god is being restored to the church people don't respect anything today they don't respect their parents they don't respect their leaders they don't respect the police they don't respect their bosses they don't respect church they don't respect the presence of god they don't respect the things of god the things of god are no longer holy to people but god is holy holy and holy hallelujah and god is restoring his honor in the house of the lord that's another thing that's being restored to the house of god once again, people are going to come in and they're going to sense the presence of God. They're going to sense the honor of God. Amen. And I'm not talking about worship. When we lavish our worship, that's not disorder. We're worshiping God. I'm talking about an order where there's respect. In the old days, my God, if I looked at my grandfather the wrong way, I felt it right here. In the old days in church, if a child got out of order, man, the deacon would come up to him, grab him by the ear, bring him to the parents. And the parents said, boy, you better not do that again. You're in the house of the Lord. There was a respect. We just understood it, that God is in this place. And if God is in this place, we're going to honor God. You understand? Now, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, because in this place, we celebrate love. We celebrate it, and we get out of our chairs, we hug each other. And I'm not going to change that either. I'm just saying an innate respect for God. I respect God here, but I respect God all alone when I have the opportunity to sin. It's like the presence of God is right there. It's as if the Spirit of God says, don't do it, son. Don't do it because you'll dishonor my presence. Don't do it because you're a vehicle of my presence and my Spirit is in you. And I have to say, oh God, I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole because your Spirit is here with me and I don't want to grieve your heart. Hallelujah! And that's returning back to the people of God. Amen. Come on, somebody praise him. He is worthy. 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 And by faith, I understand that God is doing something that is not being seen yet in the world realm. 
I know that God is doing something in us. That's why I'm always passionate. I don't care if three people show up or 300 people show up. I know what God told me. I know what God is doing through this ministry. I know that we are in a place of increase in this day. I see sons and daughters on their way. That's why I have this urgency. That's why no longer I can sit down and say, you know, this is it. This is the way we're going to be for the rest of our lives. No, there are others that are depending on us. That's why we're proactively preparing for them to come in. By faith, I see it. It says in the Word of God, faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance or confirmation of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact that which is not revealed to the senses. I remember, I, I, actually, the Amplified. It's not revealed to the senses yet, but my inner man knows it. See, it's, I, I forgot who it was. Oh, yeah, Brother Tony shared how he had that grin because he knew that there was a divine setup, right? Amen? We know that we know. We know that God is doing something. The world says, I don't see anything. Well, you don't have to. I already saw it. I saw it by the eyes of faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, I'm, I'm starting to land this thing now. Je Je Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said this to Joshua. Interesting what he says. He says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. See, I have given Jericho to you. You know, Jericho still wasn't given to Israel. The king was still in place. The city was still shut down. The inhabitants were still there. But Joshua heard the Lord, he believed God, he went in and took all of Jericho. And Jericho had to release its goods. They were holding up something that God had determined was going to belong to Israel. Right now, there's somebody holding up your resources. And the devil will never ever give you resources without a fight. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and violent men take it by force. The Amplified says the kingdom of God advances forcefully and forceful men take it by force. I'm not asking the devil permission for my resources. I'm taking it by force. Why? Because God told me, see, I have already given this to you. Just go in there and take it. You don't need his permission. Hallelujah. I don't need his permission. Amen. I am a man of authority. Therefore, I go in and say, give me that. Oh, well, who are you? Um, authorized, deputized, Holy Ghost filled. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. The sons and daughters need it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm authorized. I'm deputized. I'm anointed. Amen. It's ratified in heaven. It's mine. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when I pray, I don't pray in fear. I pray in authority. I make declarations. I pray with an attitude. This belongs to God. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. This real estate belongs to God. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. This job belongs to God. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up. Hallelujah. Amen. If the enemy takes one thing from me, he's got a big back seven times. If I lose a job, I got seven more job openings. Amen. I told, I told Elder Jose this morning, listen, we have to look at a hundred buildings in order to get our place. That's what I estimate. We've already seen seven, eight, or ten, or whatever. That means 90 left. But you, you see, the point is I'm expecting it. A rookie salesman goes out and does... 10 tries, attempts to sell the stuff, they give up. You know why they give up? Because they think, ah, this thing isn't working. No, it's, it is working. You get one out of 20. 
get the sale. So go after the 19 immediately. Ooh, got the 19. Now, now I got my sale, right? But in the kingdom of God, I understand I'm in the process. But I haven't seen it yet. Doesn't make a difference. Excuse me. How many of you plant the seed in the ground and expect something to come out right away? Are you the type of person that asks God and then you pray it and then you go into the ground and take the seed out and say, why aren't you working? No, you don't do that. You have to let the seed work its work. I made my prayer. I'm standing on faith. I know. I understand. I expect that seed to be germinating. I expect expect a metamorphosis to take place. It's shifting. It's changing. Somebody's building a home for me. Somebody's getting a church ready for us. It's happening. I know. I don't have to see it. And the reason why you don't see much of it is because most of the work that God does is in secret. Most of the work that God does is in the dark, in the quiet place. Most of the work that God is doing is in you. He's doing it in your heart because you've learned to just give stuff up. You've learned, "Ah, it's not going to work. But God's changing you now into a warrior. Amen. So a warrior won't give up. First round you fought, you fell down two times. You didn't fall down three times, right? You got back up. Second round, he hit you again. You fell down. That's all right. Somewhere inside of you, he said, I'm not giving up. This person doesn't know. I'm just getting him tired. Amen. Rocky showed us that real good. They hit him 5,000 times, finally get tired, and then he beat them, right? Hallelujah. God's God's been preparing you. That's why you've gone through so many difficulties, so many challenges, so many unusual scenarios and situations. Because now he's going to send you as a house of mercy, amen, as a house of kindness. He's going to send you, not as the sick person. See, you were there at one point. But now you could sense that person's pain because you were there before. At one point you said, there's nobody there to help me. And then God delivered you. And then God set you free. And And then God put you in that high place. Now he's sending you to the other ones. So now you're going to go, if you want to be made well, if I have nobody to help me, what am I, chop liver? I am here to help you. I have what you need. Amen. And you share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you pray for them. And if they have any, any needs, you can connect them because now you're well resourced. You're well connected. You came to, to that place with the knowledge that you are an extension of the love of God. God is doing something in your midst because God is going to do something around you and through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in conclusion, there are many who are waiting in this generation to be healed. Healed of their sicknesses. Especially the worst one, which is ignorance. That Jesus has already provided for them life and life in abundance. Hallelujah. So it's time to, like you guys would say, to represent, right? We need to represent. And you need to see that it's already done. Amen. We're going to go out and we're going to, you know, preach and teach. He says something about thousands of people being ministered to. That's what I see. Thousands of people ministered to. The process, amen, we'll pray. But here's the key. The reason why we need to pray is because nothing happens without prayer. But let me explain why. Let me explain why. It is impossible for a person to come to Jesus. Impossible in their unregenerate state without supernatural or divine intervention. Can't see it. The eyes are closed. They themselves cannot take you know, the, the blinders from them. They need a touch of God. And the only way we're going to go out there is not by arguing them into the kingdom. 
is by praying, and then the Spirit of God will touch them and just take the blinders off. They're going to go, whoa. That's where prayer comes in. Prayer prepares the event. Prayer prepares the person. And then prayer prepares you to be sensitive to that specific situation. So while you're there, the word you say to one won't be the same thing. We cannot, you know, like the bat, boom, bat, boom, bat, the same thing for all. No. Depending on the person, God has another word for them. And you'll be amazed how God will put words in your heart, words in your mouth. And by the way, he's about ready to do that also in your job. I, I, I just heard right now, shifting, shifting, shifting. There's a shifting going on, and God's going to highlight you. So that's another reason why you need to be prepared, is you need to know how to defend the gospel. You need to know how to defend your position. I'm not saying that that type of defense, well, we need to... no, not that type of defense. To speak a word in love, a word in faith, and to share with them why it is that they need to shift you into the position so that you could supervise. Because some of you are, are Joshua's in the making. Some of you are, are, are Joseph's in the making. Some of you are Daniel's in the making. You just don't know it yet. You've been going through all of this hard stuff, but you don't know God's just been preparing you to put you in, your, in a place which is going to demand a person that has stability. Amen. I want the job. You might not be able to handle the job. You know what you're asking for? You know what it is to supervise? You have to fire people. People don't like to be fired, you know. You know, Nate, I'm not saying this because of Nate. I'm just talking to Nate. I've had to fire people that are late almost all the time. Right? And then when I suspend them the first time, they get angry at me. Because I suspended them for being late all the time. It's almost like they can't see what they're doing. And then when I suspend them the second time, this time for a full week, now they're really angry at me. Now when we pass by, I, I feel the heat. I had one guy that got so angry at me one time that he sued me to Supreme Court. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Orlando. You know what that means? <laughs> because he was beautiful, right? No, in Spanish, we didn't hear it. This was perfect. No. There's a lot of things that were wrong. And I, as a supervisor, I had to, and I hated that. Because what I want to do, I want to help people get jobs. You know, Sister Rose, I want to help people. I don't want to fire people. But some people just love, I don't know, they just want to be fired. They're, they're asking you, please, can you fire me? <laughs> Did you want that? Because God is ready to promote some of you. Because, see, that level of promotion is going to create a witness for you. you you're going to be able to witness in a different arena. Hallelujah. I know some things are shutting down. I know some things are going to be moved, but God's going to be setting some of you people in a high place. In that place, you have to know how to be like a, a, a Joseph. You think Joseph is, that's all, just build two things? No, he had to hire and fire, put people in jobs, uh, put people in prison. He, he, he became the man. Say that with me. He was the man. You want to be the man? You better be anointed. You better pray. You better fast. You better seek the Holy Ghost. He could put a backbone on you. Because just because of the anointing, some people are not going to like you. But that's all right. You need to be in that position because there are some people that need to hear your witness. They need to hear your testimony. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I remember. Yeah, I'm landing. I'm landing. I remember I would get easily intimidated by situations. And God started promoting me and shifting me. I remember one time 
and I don't do this to boast. It's just, I'm just giving you an example. I remember I, I got hired by a national organization, and I'm working, and suddenly the national organization called me out of nowhere. I said, yeah? Uh, hi, uh, this is Richard. Yeah? I said, listen, we got an unusual offer for you. We're about ready to shut down your entire office. We're going to create a much larger office, and we want you to run the office. Do you have a problem being your boss's boss? <laughs> down a moment. I gulped three times really hard. Whoa. No, sir, no, sir, not at all. Uh, let me know what you need. <laughs> this happened to me. And it became a very difficult situation. They gave me a regional position. I was in charge of everything from New Hampshire to New York, New Jersey, and Puerto Rico. I like the Puerto Rico part because they would fly me to Puerto Rico all the time. I really like that part. But it was amazing that here I was here and suddenly God put me here like this. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen to you. God's setting it up. God's preparing it because he's positioning his people. And then another thing. Somebody called me up. He says, listen, I got a, a really, what's the word he used? It was almost like a job that I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't say it to anybody. I said, like, what is the secret of thing? He says, we want you to go into the dugout in Yankee Stadium on a Sunday before the Yankees start playing and give them Bible studies. We don't want you to tell anybody. Wow, that's exciting. How in the world are good? I need to tell somebody, man. I'm going to be walking around. <laughs> can't take pictures. Can't bring your family. Every time I came into Yankee Stadium, they would give me, you know, they, of course, they vet me, and then they give me a special, you know, these nice little signs. So I go in there, sit down with Mariano and a couple of other guys. We have Bible studies. Then the other team would come in. We give them Bible studies. Then they go have their game. And these young men, a lot of them love the Lord. And they need worship. They need fellowship. They need uh, Bible study. So athletes in action, they provide that to all the teams, every single one of them. One time they took, they took me over to uh, Jersey. I forgot the stadium at that time over there. But the Nets and the Knicks were playing. So I had to give them Bible studies. So I'm sitting there. I'm such a little dude and all these big dudes, you know. And I remember Matumbo was there at the time. And at the end, he, he stands up, he's towering over me, and he goes, good message, preacher. He shakes my hand. My hand disappeared, fully disappeared. I didn't see my hand. And I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. But during that time, God taught me something very profound. He said, I always would look at that and say, whoa, I'm not, I'm not at that level. I'm not at that level. I have to learn that they're not better than me. In order for me to minister to them, I had to get over some of the preconceived notions I had. See, because the young man in me, we were all saying, Mariano, please, come here. See, I wanna, I, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> that's what I wanted to do, right? But I had to, I had to go in there, you know, as the man of God. You know, I, I had to go in there like this. Let's open up the word of God. Ay, mira que está ahí. No I'm just being real. I had to deal with some serious internal issues. God taught me they're not better than you. And since then, I've been able to talk with people, share the gospel with people. I've been able to be a blessing to people that financially, they're way out of my league in that sense. But who cares? 
I'm the man of God. I'm the one anointed at that moment. God is speaking through me at that moment. So you sit down, learn from me. Amen. So, so you need to do that too. You need to go in the mirror and practice that a couple of times. You sit down, listen to me. Praise the Lord. I'm yeah. Thank you, thank you. I thought you were there to tell me times was, was up. Amen. So I'm sharing this with you because you need to be in a spirit of expectancy. Things are going to happen. And here's what happens with God. When, he, when he's ready, it just happens like that. Sometimes things are quiet. And we think that God's going to just... God doesn't work that way. You know what the Bible calls it? Suddenly. God works in suddenlies. Amen. Joseph was in prison and suddenly he got called in when he was promoted. He didn't get time. He didn't get like a, a three months uh, to, to be able to get the old prisoner outside of him. He had to become from prisoner to prime minister suddenly. Are you getting ready? Because you have to be the man of God suddenly. You have to be the woman of God. Suddenly, you have to pray that prayer. Suddenly, you have to prophesy that prophecy. Suddenly, amen. You have to make that declaration. Suddenly, you have to stand in your rights. Suddenly, now you get it. Now you get it. Now you get it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Father, they're starting to get it, Lord. You're starting to get it. Hallelujah. No time to warm up. You can't tell that person, either you minister to me or I die. Well, listen, I tell you what, let me go home, study the Bible, fast for a week, you know, learn this, this many verses, call my friends, definitely got to call pastor, pastor's got to pray for me. You're not going to get that time to do that. God's getting ready to work mightily through you. Hallelujah. Suddenly. Amen. Because we are the house of mercy. We are the house of kindness. And it's not the four walls, it's in you. Amen. The hope of glory in you. Colossians 1.27. Christ in you is the hope of glory. <laughs>